an ironic media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. Hey, y'all, I'm Bevan. And I'm Brittany. Welcome to Be My Neighbor. Our neighborly duties are to provide real-life solutions and practices that elevate and inspire, but also remind us to not take it all too seriously. We're real-life neighbors that quickly learn that you simply cannot do it on your own, living in a competitive and fast-paced environment like New York City. Each week, we invite you into the apartment along with our metaphorical and literal neighbors to share advice on how we get through this thing called life. We don't just share the sugar. We serve up the real tea. From navigating relationships to building a career, we want you to recognize and embrace the best version of you. We want you to know that your crazy is okay. And that you're definitely not alone. Our door is always open. And we want you to know, we've We've got got your back. been trying to have Asha Walker, the founder of Health in the Hood, on for months now, since our introduction to her by a mutual friend, Taylor McCauley, in the fall of last year. Health in the Hood is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that implements and maintains community gardens and food deserts, along with nutrition and fitness education, in order to break barriers between low-income communities and healthy choices. During the COVID pandemic, Asha has once again proven herself to be a true leader, serving her community and pivoting to provide even more resources for those in need. But we will get into all that detail a little bit later on. Asha, we spent time trying to come up with an adjective to describe you. And both of us, the first thing that we said, we were like, she's just so cool. (laughs) Seriously, though, seriously. I love you guys. Hold on. I have to go get a tissue because I'm crying from the intro. You guys are amazing. Thank you for saying that. Well, they're all true things. Yes. And thank you so much for being with us today. It just, we're so happy that this finally was able to happen and getting a chance to talk to you. We have so many people that want to know about health in the hood, what it is. And I guess that's the best place to really get started is what is health in the hood? So we are, like you said, a 501c3. So we're a community organization and our focus is really around eradicating food insecurity. So wiping out anybody who doesn't have adequate access to healthy food. And we do that by installing these huge, vibrant vegetable gardens in low-income neighborhoods that are deemed food deserts, which I'm sure we'll cover more later what a food desert is. Um, But essentially people who who are far away from fresh food. And we install these vegetable gardens. We hire residents from the neighborhood to maintain them. We engage the community and teach fitness and nutrition and healthy eating workshops to really make it a comprehensive, healthy lifestyle right in people's backyards. And we've been doing that for almost eight years now. Gosh. It's incredible. It's really an amazing thing that you have created. Where did you come up with this idea? Has it always been in your roots? where, where, Where did this come from for you? So definitely in my roots, but I can take zero credit for the idea. My dad is the OG, I call him, the original gardener. (laughs) He is a historian of black history in Florida. He's a a retired psychology professor. And in one of our family side gigs, side projects, he always got city grants to maintain a couple of urban farms on some vacant lots in Overtown. So I really grew up knowing that you could absolutely take land that isn't being used work with the different city and municipality and community partners to install a garden and you could feed communities. So it was totally not my idea, but it certainly was definitely rooted into my DNA. 
we heard about your dad and we're so glad you touched upon that because we were like, wow, this is really all in the family and you guys have continued this work. So he must be so proud of you and all that you're doing. I hope so. I hope so. But I come from good people. I come from good service people who taught me you could build a career out of out of helping others. And I feel so grateful every day that I get to be the medium to helping people. So it's it's an honor that I, I feel like. Can you explain to everybody what a food desert is? So it's uh, the USDA really deems it as they define it as an area that's more than a mile away from an adequate grocery store. So there's no major grocery chains in a food desert community. They're typically low income, typically underserved, a lot of affordable housing. And instead of a Publix or a Whole Foods, there are corner stores or bodegas, like gas station markets where you're not getting anything fresh. Everything lives on a shelf, preservatives, high sodium, high sugar, low Zero nutrition. nutrition. <laughs> um, yep. So you get people that are stuffed but starving in these oh. communities. So you've got 99 cent cans of Chef Boyardee, so the kids are full but they're totally nutrient deficient. So people in the food desert are not able to access fresh food because it's out of their neighborhood geographically, but also sometimes it's just it's out of the financial capacity as well. So if you don't have money to get on the bus or a car to gas to get out of your neighborhood, then you don't have enough money to buy a box of spinach that's $6. So there's a lot of barriers that exist in these communities. And so we just thought it would be a much better use of land to bring fresh food to people and get us back to our roots and connecting to our food sources. How do you find this land? Taking it back a little further, my background before I started Health in the Hood, I worked as an AmeriCorps director in South Florida. So I really got to know a lot of different nonprofits and a lot of the players at the foundation level in city entities and municipalities. So I had a good foundation of, of the community mapping, you know, kind of world I was, I was working in. And so a lot of it sort of came to us with our different partner organizations. They heard about what we were doing and said, oh, I've, I know a church that's got a piece of land next to them that they're not doing anything with. That was one of our first sites. One of our amazing partners, eight years later still, we're working with the Mind Your Children's Initiative, had a piece of land, loved the idea, said you should definitely install here. And then our third, what was the third one? Oh, and then it was uh, an Aetna grant for another piece of property in Opelaka. So we kind of put the, the feelers out there and got our first three properties, boom, boom, boom. And all the land is donated by the partners. So it's either we have like a dollar a year lease. If somebody, if the private owner who wants to give us a piece of land, we'll do an, an official lease for a dollar a year. If it's a municipality, it's a typical setup like that. But all the land is given to us. And the only qualification and that we're in restriction that we put on the land that we'll take is that it's got to be residentially located. It was one of the got things it. that we learned from my dad's work that if the gardens are a little bit removed from people's front doors, they don't get as much bang for your buck. So they've got to be right in neighborhoods. And so that's really one of our, our big and really only qualifiers on land that we'll, we'll work on. We also really wanted to know once you know where to go, honestly, Asha, just applying for something and having to deal with anything government related really <laughs> scares us. Like the IRS, we run for the hills. Bevan had a call earlier. She was like, I got to go. I'm scared just seeing the number. So we wanted to know. It's truth. Know. Yeah. It's absolute truth. Did anyone help you with those financials and budget out how to do this or how to go about applying for a grant? I know you, like you said before, you had been in this field, but how did you begin doing this? Because we have a lot of people that do want to get involved in the nonprofit world. And I think that's a really mm-hmm. scary place to start. Well, there's a lot of uncertainty when you start too, because like my, I was a theater major, like the union, you had to 
get a job where you were union, but then you couldn't become union. It was like this like, like back and forth kind of a thing. And it's almost kind of the same when you start a 501c3. You start the work, but you've got to do the work to prove that you can be a 501c3 and get the tax breaks. And for me, I guess being a type A person is really helpful. Being kind of OCD and, and sure. being someone who needs to check every box definitely is, is helpful in navigating it. But it's really learning by doing. You know, there's definitely tons of resources out there, grant writing resources and, and learning how to navigate some of those channels. But it's really a matter of persistence. And when you find a cause that you're passionate about, it doesn't feel like work. And it's just, it's a mission. And the IRS is scary, but you're like, I've, I've got to navigate this because the work is too important. And I think that was probably my, my big motivator at the time that I was like, I'm just going to figure this out. And I, and I had the backgrounds in, in grant writing so to navigate those channels too. But I think it's perseverance. It's persistence and, and knowing how important your mission is. I love that. Knowing your mission. That is really what is going to keep you going at any time. That you, What you're doing, how you're serving. It's fuel. And when I get away, and even now, like when I get away from it, it's like, okay, let's take a second and go back to why we're doing this. When you get stressed or the phone doesn't stop ringing or <laughs> delivery trucks show up at the wrong time, it's like you always have that to go back to. And it just never makes it feel like work. It's your mission. Truly. It's yeah. interesting that you say that because we were going to get into that a little bit later and just looking back at all you've done and all you've accomplished. But yeah, I mean, right now, where is Health in the Hood? Like, do you have yourself and how many other team members are you working with? Or you can, can you describe when you get one of these different properties, where does that leadership come from? It's really an exciting time. We're growing and growing. It's and it's wild because we're in this climate that is so unprecedented. But we were sort of we were already in the food insecurity space, so it definitely made sense for us to expand our programming. And so we were able to we add out a whole other tranche of programming around emergency food relief. But we also brought on more team members. So uh, our administrative team is three of us. So we're still small but mighty. Administrative is actually well. Administrative and program is four. So we've got myself. I'm an executive director. We have our amazing program manager, Rachel Shakoff. We have our incredible event manager, Joamna Ramirez, and then we have our site director, Douglas Dunn, who really is on the ground, driving the U-Hauls, driving the mobile pantry, and moving plants from place to place. And then in each site, we have garden managers. So a big piece of what we do, and, and what makes us, you know, the importance of sustainability was always built into into our model is that we hire residents in the neighborhood to take care of the gardens. So we've got eight farms across South Florida and a small administrative team. So it's it's a great opportunity for people in low-income neighborhoods to make some extra cash throughout the year and to uh, learn a skill. So our team is small but mighty. <laughs> when you are at this point where you're ready to hire people, what is your process in terms of choosing your team? Um, we have been, again, so fortunate. And I think that our work is such a passion area for people. It's such a, it's such a simple, beautiful solution. It's like we get people that, that, that want to work with us and, and they're incredible. And the ones that have, that we've that brought on have just come at like the exact right time and have the exact right skill sets of what we needed and, and just were perfect additions to, to the team. But we just have been very lucky and everybody that's found us has, has found us because this is, a, a passion area for them. And it, it's incredible. They work just as hard as I do, which is, which is not normal when, you know, the founder has a team that will put in just as much effort as they will. So it's, it's incredible the type of folks we've been so blessed to work with. So we're going to go back to this idea of how you've pivoted during COVID, this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us yep. the direction that you took and specifically about filling fridges? Yeah. 
Um, well, we, Miami is, is now the epicenter. And five months ago, we were not, but things were already unraveling very quickly. We are a hospitality hotspot. So lots of lost jobs very quickly. And there was already a lot of disparity to begin with. So COVID really just drew that line even deeper in the sand. And the desperation was like nothing we had seen before, right off the bat, early April. And so we have incredible supporters and donors that came together and said, we want to help. We're already in the food and security space. Let's strategize. Let's put our heads together. Our amazing friend and strategy Strategic Planning Committee member and board member Taylor, who we love, love. Macaulay, who introduced us, he helped us through a couple of iterations of, of what would work and troubleshooting and getting different partners. And from that support of being able to troubleshoot, we knew we wanted to provide emergency food relief. That was the greatest need. As soon as things started to unravel, people were losing their jobs and figuring out how to pay rent or how to eat. And we knew we could get food to people. And so we hit the ground running and got all of our resources that we that we had at the table. We're partners with uh, Feeding South Florida, which timing of the universe was incredible. We had just uh, basically signed on a dotted line to become a partner with Feeding South Florida, which they're an incredible organization. They're the South Florida branch of Feeding America. And so we had just gone through our partner training and got the green light to be able to receive food from, from them. And so we kicked that relationship into high gear and started receiving pallets of food from them. And that was uh, all part of the Filling Fridges program. So we launched it as a three-pronged program, all with the goals of getting food to people quickly. And we wanted to hit different kind of target audiences. So we did pull-up pantry or doing a pull-up pantry where it's a no contact. Cars drive up, they pop their trunks. We've had volunteers there all morning separating food out and making grocery bags. And we do about 250 cars twice a week. So about 500 families a week we've got um, at the pull-up pantry. And then we did a grocery gift card program. And we worked with a lot of the employers of the hospitality industry who had furloughed all their employees. Mm. So some of the biggest restaurant groups and hotel groups, the school system actually as well, we gave $100 grocery store, Publix is our grocery store here, gift cards to them to distribute to their employees. And then the last tranche were prepared meals for even more vulnerable populations that didn't have transportation and couldn't necessarily get to a pantry or our pull-up pantry or get to the grocery store. This program is slated to wrap up at the end of July, so we're trying to figure out how to sustain that through August because we're going to need this for even longer. But uh, at the end of July, we will have distributed 11,000 prepared meals. We do that uh, three times a week, about 1,000 meals three times a week. And those are going to uh, the the most vulnerable population. So adults with developmental disabilities and their families, veterans in transitional housing, seniors in affordable housing. So folks that really can't get out of their communities, we're bringing in hundreds and hundreds of meals every week to to them. And and that's how we we responded to COVID because we had a lot of the infrastructure laid out and we just knew we needed to help. And our incredible donors came on board and we raised the fund and were able to just execute and go. You said you're, you're at this place where, we, you know, you, you hope you can sustain it. What do you need? You know, we're reaching out. We think that our, our motto in life is kind of let's all hold each other's hands. Let's lift each other up. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what you're doing. So you tell us what you need right now. Well, food, definitely. We a lot of times get donations of food, which is great. So we've got a, since we have a setup pantry and a setup operation. We can always take food donations. So that's awesome. We've had families that have come and cooked individual meals and dropped them off for us to distribute. So we've gotten amazing donations and support across the board. 
Of course, cash always helps. That helps us support our teams that are on the ground, helps us to get the U-Hauls that we get every week to put the food in, helps us pay for gas and maintenance and all the logistics it takes to run this three-pronged program. And of course, it pays for the meals and the gift cards. So it's resources in kind and both cash we can absolutely use. And then we're also still building and, and moving our farms along. So every dollar goes to helping alleviate food insecurity, either whether it's crisis related or regular disparities. Well, we will make sure we link healthinthehood.org when we put this out and put it on our site as well so that everybody can donate if they can. And, you know, every dollar counts and they can toss in and, and see if we can keep this running because you are doing some really, really incredible work for the community. <laughs> you guys are unbelievable. But, uh, but the, uh, the other biggest piece is telling our story exactly what you're doing. This doesn't, you know, helping us share what we're doing so we can hopefully inspire other people to to. to to help change problems, fix problems. So just telling our story is also an incredible asset. So we're just, I'm so grateful for you guys. We are grateful for you, yeah. honestly. Like Thank I'm just, you. we're just shaking our heads, looking at each other, just in shock of all that you've done. And, you know, as two people, Hi. <laughs> I, I'm serious. We're very serious. We get very yeah, emotional every episode for some reason. It's we're beginning to look at it as maybe a problem. I don't know. Uh, no. no, but you know, as two people ourselves, like we never really stop to take a look at anything that we've accomplished or anything that we've done. Our heads are always looking forward and maybe not valuing those things, but we want to know, have you ever had that pinch me moment where you've seen how far Health in the Hood has come in eight years and all the impact that you've made on so many people? I really need to do more of that. Yes, <laughs> we, we all, all do. We, we all do that. We're, it's that like worthiness, not enough, got to do more, got to do more. So, so I really should probably stop and, and think, well, we've had some pretty incredible milestone moments in our, in our evolution that, that I've definitely been forced to stop and just, wow, like we are really, we're really making a difference and, and changing people's lives. And, and, and that's, that's what keeps me going when, when I'm bogged down in grant reports and grant deadlines and, and, you know, all the stuff that goes with it. It's, it's, that's what keeps you going. So what was that moment? Can you recall one of those moments that you had where, where you just kind of were forced to stop and look? Probably the, the, the biggest one would be, we were on a, I guess, it called, I guess you call it a reality show. I didn't know I was the target. <laughs> I thought it was a documentary being filmed about us. And you know, I was like, great fundraising videos. Fantastic. Come down to a documentary. And so when this production team arrived, it was a huge production team. I was a little taken aback, but we were going to be telling the story of our families in the food desert and going to all of our gardens and checking out markets that had all the preserved food. So it was like, we were really capturing the story. So I was down for anything. But then as soon as the episode started, we started filming Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs walked into our Liberty City Garden. And I was like, wow, does Mike Rowe know where he is right now? <laughs> and so fast forward to, we go through the whole day and film all this stuff. We had on our storyboard and it went amazing. And at the end of the day, they uh, had us throw like a like a, a block party. We had all of our, our residents and families out and we were planting and doing exercises and hanging out. And we did a raffle. And Mike Rowe walks up and said, okay, Asha, I, I, I'd like to do this next raffle ticket. He pulled it out and he said, okay, this raffle ticket actually doesn't have a number on it. It actually says, Asha's doing great work in the community and we wanted to reward all of the hard work that you've put in to build this, this organization. And so we are 
gifting the organization your five-year plan that you told us about in the initial interview and look around the corner and in drives a Whole Foods on Wheels, a mobile produce pantry, this gorgeous vegetable truck. So think of it like the most modern, cool food truck on wheels. And it's lined floor to ceiling with bins for our vegetables and lights and misters like the grocery store and beautiful kitchen countertops for us to do our nutrition workshops in. And then cue the tears. I mean, it's just the most overwhelming thing. Everybody knew I did it. My dad is driving the bus. Like, oh, now I'm crying. crying. Now I'm crying. Goodbye. (laughs) The clip, it was like too much. (laughs) But that was definitely an aha moment. Like, wow, this is really proof that our model is working. If, if, If we're getting this kind of support and this kind of ability to grow, and then that took us mobile, that changed our whole ability to connect our farms and move more food around and get more food donations. So, that was a big moment for us, for sure. And it got like 2 million views. So it really got us our story out there. So that was that was a big one. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I, I it was mean, crazy. Wow. That must have been <laughs> such an incredible moment. I, I, like, we need to see video after this. Yeah, after we're we definitely wrap. looking that up. <laughs> Please. I will, I will send you the link. It's, they have the exact moment where, like, the bus pulls around the corner and, like, my mouth drops. It's, it's, it's a great – I mean, if it wasn't me, I would still be like, that's a great human moment. Like, it was really wild. <laughs> we're, we're stealing that for this caption. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great human moment. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to step back a little bit from that human moment. I wanted to ask you about the home growth systems that Health in the Hood is doing right now. Oh my God, so exciting. <laughs> we, you know, we're, we're in this niche business where we can still continue growing our outdoor gardens, but people are in need of getting back to our roots more than ever. And whether you're in an apartment or have a backyard or a balcony, everybody should be able to grow their own food. And that's the message that we have always shared. And now we want to take our programs a step further. And in September, we're so excited. We're launching our at-home grow kit project. And we're starting with one particular community. And we're going to be giving a set of families at-home growth vegetable growing systems where people can, it's going to be a modified soil system. So you can grow indoor or outdoor, and you're going to have everything you need in the kit. So no extra Home Depot trips, your seeds, your soil, your gloves, your instructions, everything will be in the kit. And we're, we're taking our program mobile. We're staying home. So we are bringing health in the hood to people's homes. I mean, I wish I could say something else besides that's awesome. That's amazing. But it's literally <laughs> the coolest thing ever. You are providing so much good stuff that is really changing people's lives. And it, oh. it really is just the coolest. I hope so. And then we're, we're trying to also, you know, bring our message to an even broader audience and we're going to be doing some of our health mode at home content and sharing how to grow your own food in tutorials so that we're not just sharing it with our regular communities that we love, but we want to really take our message to an even broader audience. So we're really excited about that. So coming at you in your homes with, with live content and with some live food. Yeah. The timing of all this feels really divine to me. Have you felt like that's a trend in your life? Because I feel like when you are attached to you know the mission, something that is really bigger and greater than you that is fueling and inspiring, it feels like things start to flow in a really natural way. Definitely. I've, I've always felt like, I'm sure you guys too, you mean you, you guys walk in your passion, you, you, you do what you're called to do. And I think like, I've never had to think really hard about what I thought I was doing was the right decision. And it was like, nope, I need to incorporate this and definitely buy that website. Like it just, yeah. 
you just need to do it. You know, just like you guys are like, we need to tell stories and, and, you know, get connect people and, and be engaging and be my neighbor happens. So that's when you're called, you're called. When you are faced with a tough decision, what is, what's the first thing you do? How do you settle in and come to a decision? Before I started meditating or after? (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to hear both. Probably before before meditating, plowed through it without a lot of thought or intention, but was always, I think, probably rooted again in that mission. So the decisions weren't totally off track, but definitely they weren't as intentional as I am now that I've found a practice that that helps keep me more grounded. But yeah, I think it's, I, I think I think about really being thoughtful about the weighing out the value of said decision, prioritizing it, fitting it into our overall strategy of learning how to say no, which I'm really not good at yet. We can talk about that all day long. Yeah. Right. We get that. We get this not, you know, saying no, it's really a very hard thing to learn really hard. Especially when you love what you do. It's like, well, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do it all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But then why am I so tired? I was going to ask, do you sleep? Yes. Yes. Very well. And a good seven to eight hours. I do not mess with my sleep. Same girl. (laughs) Definitely sleep. Right. Yeah. We got to get away from this like rhetoric that you must lose sleep to be successful. Like that's so backwards. It's (laughs) so incredibly backwards. To me, if I get less than seven hours of sleep, I am on the verge of tears at any moment during the day. Right. Thank goodness our healthcare professionals are being so well taken care (sighs) of and getting to rest because people are (sighs) staying home. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. It's crazy. I know. Bless. What's going on with the, the gardens right now? So uh, we're we're still up and running, you know, because okay. we're so niche. We're our residents live right there, and our garden managers live right there and take care of them. We send supplies via Amazon, and the beginning, the beginning, we really weren't going out in the farms. Now right. that you know, we we know more that about being outside is okay as long as you've got masks and gloves, and we keep our volunteers all really protected with PPE. We haven't done any large volunteer events. We usually, but before COVID, we would have 80, 90 volunteers any given weekend. But now we, we reeled that back in. So now we only have about 10 to 15 volunteers for our pull-up pantry operations and small garden events. But the gardens are, are that kind of niche window where they're outside and we're still able to maintain them. So we're very, very fortunate in that regard. And yeah. when we had our first preliminary chat, we had talked about you prepping for a major express campaign. So we were like, yes, so exciting. How did that come about? Um, Instagram. I mean, it's just the great connector. We, we, they were looking for community leaders who have a story to tell, who have their roots in the, one of the cities that they selected. It's, it's eight cities across the country for the Dream Big Dress Accordingly campaign. And it's really centered around how your personal style has helped you on your success and, and, and has been a part of your journey and really capturing the city. And of course, the clothes. And I mean, I'm like, I've been wearing Express my whole life. So I just <laughs> couldn't have been more excited and really honored that that brand wanted me to be a part of their of their collection. So it was an awesome experience. But shooting in July in, in uh, Miami was definitely an experience. I'm still dehydrating. <laughs> but I wouldn't have changed it for anything. The clothes were amazing. It was an incredible team. It was an awesome opportunity to capture a little bit about myself. And I had to think about my personal style and how it's evolved. And so that was fun. And we shot in the gardens. And so it was just a total 
knockout experience. I could never be a model. I was working <laughs> Me out either. Like crazy and fasting and facialing. And I was like, this is way too much. But yeah, I have out. respect for that game. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I can't yeah. do it. It's too much. It's too exhausting for me. Like, I respect people who can do it. You should see Bevan on a Mad respect. So much fun. <laughs> I'm just not. Yeah, there's no. I just don't know what to do with my hands. Is the truth? Yeah. In all honesty, it's For like someone so beautiful. Does. It's like why? It's it's like you right. just have to smile, but it's just right. it's just a lot goes on, and I'm just next to her, just trying to just <laughs> glam the camera as much as glom glom the camera glom. as much. As, yeah, no. yeah exactly. but it's really hard. I don't like it either. I give it's a lot of props to the models for sure. It's not an yeah. Easy. No That's one knows another. what to do with their hands. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm the opposite. Anytime there's pressure on me for something like that, I accidentally end up like overeating. Like the fasting thing could never happen for me. I'm also impressed by that. <laughs> it was a good, it was an easy fast. It was a good one. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, we cannot wait to see that in person. We will make sure that we post all about it. We'll link back to the episode. We're going to try to time this, you know, with the release, but we will definitely make sure that we focus on that because that's another pinch me moment for you, Asha. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Deserve to be celebrated, girl. Thank you. We definitely pop some champagne after that's for sure. (laughs) Good. So where do you envision health in the hood in the future? What's your big, crazy, wild dream? Mm -hmm. Well, I have always envisioned us being a national model. I I used to run a national program. And so the idea of there being a health in the hood in every inner city in the country, I think is not not that far-fetched. And if we keep being able to tell our story and we're working on our handbook and really getting more of our message out there to a broader audience, I think that that we're going to start really seeing more chapters pop up. And so that's our that's our big goal is really becoming a national model and to just keep it and to, to hopefully keep inspiring people to connect back to our roots. We are we have become so disconnected as a world from where our food comes from and and disempowered where we, we've, we've given up our power when it comes to our food in a lot of ways. And it's not just people living in food deserts. It's it's really all of us. If you're not making conscious decisions, which we all do. I just think our big goal is to just keep on helping people get back to our roots and and reclaiming our food system. I want to meet your dad. He's the man. I really, I want to meet, I mean, because I mean, people aren't just born like this. I think, you know, your dad, obviously (laughs) you you took, you took what you were given and you turned it into something huge. And that takes a great deal of perseverance and effort on your part. But, you know, there's something to be said about the people who raise you. And so I, I know he's proud. There's no question about that. Thanks, girl. I, I think he is. I think I think they're both happy with their product. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I hear that. Asha, thank you so much for coming on and speaking with us. We cannot wait to see what happens with Help in the Hood down the road. And you've got forever fans in us and supporters for sure. Back at you. Thank you guys so, so much. I am just honored and cannot wait to keep the conversation going we'll pop back on if you guys will have us back always the door is always open here so cool all right guys thank you (laughs) thank you asha 